This morning, if you want to turn to this passage, I'm going to turn to several other passages before we get here, by the way. But we're going to be in Genesis 39 this morning. And like I said, there's going to be a lengthy introduction before we get to Genesis 39. But we're going to eventually make it to Genesis 39, okay? Now, uh, last week we talked about the big challenges to our character, but we talked about a lot of little challenges that get us to the big challenges. Today, I'm going to talk about those in a little more detail, and specifically what I'm going to call the private challenges. The private challenges, okay? And this is in regards to our character. Now, you'll probably remember that we began this series by making it clear that salvation comes as a result of faith, not as a result of religious effort. Of course, the scripture teaches that. And of course, we knew that before we came to a lesson like this. But we wanted to emphasize that as it regards character, because this is an important understanding about the development of Christian character. Because we also determined that people of God must be conscientious and scrupulous. We use those words. It just means attentive to detail and diligent and dutiful. So we understand that that's the case. But this is all the result of the understanding that our salvation comes by faith and what our salvation means. And it's as a result of the one Christ whom we know. So we talked about all this. We agreed that without faith without coming to know him, we can't even begin any sort of journey toward Christian character because faith is where we begin. We also reminded ourselves that any character we begin to build upon must be kept in perspective. We had a whole session on perspective. Always seen through the understanding that we are but earthen vessels that he is pleased to use. We're reflectors of his light. So we observed Paul's ministry and we saw how he chose to make it all about Christ and even counted that which the world would have seen as gain unto him as nothing. And then we saw in the day of great challenge, this was last week, we saw how David was unable and how Saul recognized also that David was unable to overcome this great challenge that was before him, for it was the Lord's battle and it was the Lord's enabling that were required for victory in that particular circumstance. So we made note that it was not only in the big challenges, but also in the daily challenges that we need him and that he has to work through us. So after beginning a series in which we insisted that consistent Christian character was about our whole lives, all of life, we haven't really talked too much about your life. You notice that? We haven't really talked too much about your life. And I thought, you know, we really need to do something. I've really focused on how it's God who, who, uh, who does everything through us. So I began to think about this a little bit. And I looked back at some material I had written and some material I had talked about. And I, uh, I started to 
to look at just that, uh, just that phrase in and of itself, your life. What does the uh, scripture say about your life? This is all by inter- way of introduction, by the way. Because as we've gone through all of that, as I just, as I just talked to you about, what we've talked about from beginning to end is it's God that does it, God that enables, it's God that empowers, it's God that aids, it's God that helps. Character is about your life. We mentioned that. So I looked up that phrase, your life. Just where that phrase appears in the text, at least in the text we have translated through the King James Version here. But it would be a very similar translation in other uh, versions as well. And I found this, starting in Matthew 6, which says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and he will love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So this is, would be a good place to start in regards to character, questioning whether or not we're serving God or whether we're serving money or possessions. Then we get to the place where it talks about your life. It says, therefore, I say unto you, this is verse 25 of Matthew 6, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. It says, therefore, I say unto you, this is right after the part about serving God or mammon, money or possessions. It says, take no thought for your life. That's the your life. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? No thought for our life. Then the explanation comes in verse 26 because it says, Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment, or what ye put on? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So it says to us, don't be overly concerned about the things even that would sustain life. Understanding that God oversees and God provides. And then it goes on and, and it says something to us that I think is the, uh, is a key that we've already been talking about because it continues on to verse 33, starting in 31. Therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Then it really turns to what we should be doing. It really does turn to our life because it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you.
this theme prevails about your life and about seeking God's kingdom first in the next reference that contains the words, your life. thought that was interesting. Because if I were to go forward to Colossians chapter 3, we have a reference to your life, and it says this, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Those two are really parallel passages of Scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then seek things that are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So if you're saved, if you know Christ, this is saying, seek the things above. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Wow. This is a commentary on your life. It is hid with Christ. There's a little bit more on it in the next verse. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye also appear with him in glory. You notice what it said? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. The next reference, the same text, your life, reminds us of something else. Entirely. So what we've been reminded of so far is to not get too overly wrapped up in the things that sustain life, understanding that God oversees and provides and therefore seek his kingdom and his righteousness. We've learned also that uh, our life is hid with Christ and that he is our life. And then in James 4, it says this. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We have very little time in this life, and everything depends on him and depends on his will. So I had to rethink. We've talked quite a bit about your life. <laughs> talked quite a bit about your life. I've talked quite a bit about my life based on what it says here in the scriptures. And so as we again put an emphasis on him and not on ourselves, we want to talk about something this morning that you're going to encounter quite a bit more than you encounter the big challenges that we talked about last week, and that is the, the private challenges. You know, the private challenges can be as big as Goliath. But they come to us behind closed doors. They come to us behind closed doors. The things that we face that can often destroy us 
come to us in private often. Not every time, but often. Not every time. And the, the story from this morning happens in a quite different way than David's story from last week. David's story from last week, here's the scene that you have. You have two armies, two nations, two uh, uh, groups, armies, Israel on one side, the Philistines on the other side, and you have a man in public declaring something, challenging, defying God, defying the armies of Israel, and, and challenging someone to come down and, in a sense, give us a display of their character. This is a very different, it's a very different scenario, very different situation. But all along the way, you see steps that reveal character. Now, keep in mind what we said last week. Challenges do a couple of things. Challenges help to build our character, but they also help to reveal our character. It's a bit of an interesting thing, isn't it? And sometimes we find when we haven't met the challenge and our character wasn't up to it, we learn from that and we say, I'll meet the challenge the next time, Lord willing, for that passage we just read, and if God will help, I'll meet that challenge next time. And not only that, but our character is really for challenges like this. For what good would your personal character be without it being enough to sustain you through challenges that maybe in this case, temptation to sin or other things just to um, do what it, if we would have gone on in James chapter four, it would have said that, that if a man knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. Maybe it's just one of those kind of challenges where you see something and you know to Go over and do good, and your character will put you in a position where you can go and do that good. Different things. So I want to take us to Genesis 39, because I think we're going to see a display of great character here. And then if I have time this morning, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. My voice is holding out so far. Doing okay. Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. You, you probably know the story. I'll give you a little bit of context as we go on, but you probably know the story. I'm going to give you the context as I, uh, as I have time here towards the end. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither, down to that place. And the Lord was with Joseph. You know, you could have said that about David last, the last, uh, uh, class we did as well. The Lord was with David. It says this, and he was a prosperous man. Now, if you know anything about the background, it's, uh, he's been sold into slavery and now he's in the hands of this, uh, man who, who owns him. And it says he was a prosperous man. You think, how can that be? And he was in the house of his master, 
the Egyptian. The great thing about the start of this is with the, is that we see that the Lord was with him. Now, the way in which we think about that today, or the way in which I would think about it, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we're trusting him. Jesus said, I'm going to send another comforter, and he's going to dwell in you. Hey, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, right? It says, if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of his, right? And if we have the Spirit dwelling in us, you could say, that person is a believer. The Lord's with him. The Lord's with him. A little bit different exercise of that in this particular context. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord's with us too. And he was serving. It's going to say that more in just a minute. But this is where you'll find people of character. Where will you find people of character? Well, they're famous. No, not necessarily. Well, they're successful. No, not necessarily. Probably find them serving people of character. The master saw, love this part of it. This is verse 3, by the way, of Genesis 39. The master saw that the Lord was with him. What a great testimony that is. What a great testimony that would be if somebody saw that the Lord was with you. You know you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and if someone were to see that the Lord was with you, and the Lord made, there it is again, Christ who is our life. The Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. That's about his life. But the Lord made. And Joseph found grace in his sight, in the sight of Potiphar. And he served him. There's the part about the service. And he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. I got to tell you, that's a testimony. First of all, the Lord empowered him to prosper. His talent and his personality could have been mentioned. I'm sure that he had a lot of talent and he had a great personality and he had a certain kind of attitude that was uh, just built in. But then I would have to say to you that God had provided those to Joseph. And then the Lord was seen through him. This is so often the case with character, as we've already seen in other things that we've studied. His light shines through us. And it is him that people see. If you were to go forward to the New Testament, you were to go to a place where Jesus is preaching in Matthew chapter 5, and he would say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. You know, that they may see your life and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. That's what's happening here. Potiphar sees that the Lord is with Joseph. What about all his character traits? What are, what are 
all his character traits? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I, I can think of a few that must have been the case here. He must have been responsible enough, honest enough, hardworking enough, diligent enough, trustworthy enough to be given this. Do you think a man like Potiphar would make the mistake of handing off everything he has to someone who didn't have some of those character traits? Maybe. It's not been my experience with people who have great responsibility in life. It's not been my experience. My experience with people who have great responsibility in life, even if they don't know the Lord, is that they, is that they want to know that their business is overseen properly. Have you noticed that? Because I've noticed that. Verse 5. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. This is, this is quite something. Joseph is given responsibility and the master is blessed because of the way that Joseph handles the responsibility. Have you ever had this happen? Have you ever handed over to someone a responsibility for something in your life? You say, I don't think about a doctor. All right. Think about a doctor. You hand them over responsibility for something in your life. Doc, you're going to have to handle my health in this situation. And I'm trusting that you're going to be responsible. I'm trusting that you're going to be intelligent enough. I'm trusting that you're going to be careful enough. And you know what happens? You're blessed because of it. Doctor might be blessed too. You're blessed because of it. Folks, see character in this. See character in this. Who's blessed because they've given you responsibility? Who's blessed? Boy, you'll find character there. Find character there. And the Lord did the blessing. The Lord did the blessing. And it was in his house, and it was also in his field. And here it says again, it, it already gave us an indication of this, but it says this again to us. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Now, I leave a lot of what I have in a lot of people's hands. I would. I leave a lot. There's a couple things I might struggle with leaving in certain people's hands. But he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not ought, or he knew not Everything, not all that he had, save the bread which he did eat. It was a, a situation where he didn't even feel as though 
he had to account for everything he had because he so trusted Joseph. If you're not seeing character here, I may not have done a good job in this class yet. Leaves everything he had. And then it says something interesting. It says Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. And that, what that really means is not talking necessarily about his character. It's talking about how he looks and the, uh, the, uh, the look of his frame and his shape. And he was, uh, I, I would like to say this because you could start thinking, well, uh, that's the reason why the problem comes up that's next. But I'll tell you what, have you ever been around people of character and you've seen and you've thought they have a certain glow to them? I've thought that. I'm, that's not a, I'm not giving you a, a biblical anything there, but I'm just saying that can often be the case. So he's given responsibility. This is a consistent theme with those who have character. Master was blessed because of him. His life is being used of the Lord to impact others. This is also what character does. And he was trusted. But I'll tell you what, even people who have proven that they have character, even people who have given, been given great responsibility and who have been trustworthy with the responsibilities that they have had so far. When they are tested, when their trustworthiness is tested again, can at that point prove untrustworthy. Have you ever known that to be the case? That's a very, very sad thing when that happens. It's a very sad thing. I've known people in ministry who've been trustworthy all of their all of their ministry long. And a test comes along and it's a private test and they fail that private test. Have you ever known people like that? That is a sad moment. And so what we have next in this story is that the test of Joseph's trustworthiness is coming. I think this this part perhaps is the most important part of the story that we're about to read. And it came to pass after these things that the master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. Remember, he's a goodly person. He's well-favored. She's cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused. And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not, or he doesn't know, what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then... Can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This is why I was saying this is the most important part. Do you see the clarity with which he is seeing the situation? I'll tell you something about clarity. 
if you're lacking character, I don't know how to say this any other way. If you're lacking character, you will also often lack clarity. Have you ever known that to be the case? Let me, let me give you just a, let me just describe it to you a little bit. Have you ever known people who have kind of made a mess of their life and they've made a lot of wrong choices along the way and maybe they're continuing to make some wrong choices and you're trying to help them out and you say, well, you really need to make these right choices. Well, you really need to every day make this right choice. We really need to every week make this right choice. And if you just make those right choices, and they keep saying to you, I feel like I'm off track. I feel like my life is it's just going nowhere. I feel I don't know where God wants me to go. Folks, they do know. This is the thing I always think about when I have these situations. They do know. You know what the next thing for you to do is? Stop thinking about where you need to go next. Just make the right choice everybody's been telling you about for a really long time. And if you start making those one by one by one by one by one, eventually you're going to know where to go. Just make them one by one by one by one. But I'll tell you what character does. When you have been making right choices, when you have been taking the correct steps upon the path, You've been following in relationship with the Lord. You've been a disciple of his and obedient to him. There's a clarity that comes to you and into your life where you somehow know what to do next. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know that every time that's the case. It's just like we said last week about David. It's not that only a person of character can be empowered at any given moment to do something for God. But you sure have a better opportunity to face a big challenge for God if you have been making right choices along the way. And that's perhaps the case here as well. But what surprises me a little bit is in a a situation like this, he can be looking at it with such clarity of mind. And he says, look, I am ever aware of my responsibility. Folks, if you took that into life, and you looked at your responsibilities, and you were ever aware of your responsibilities, then when something came up that could destroy your connection to those responsibilities, you would make the right choices. I'm going to give you a little bit of an example. I used to, I, uh, I had a guy come to me one time. He was talking to me about his marriage, and I hadn't been married very long. He'd been married a lot longer than me. Might have been married very long, but he wanted to talk about how he's having all this difficulty. And he said this, my wife and I are always yelling at each other and I just can't help it. I'm always yelling at my wife. The certain things she does, she pushes my buttons and she makes me mad. And it's just something we've been struggling with and I'm having a real hardship. And uh, this man's in the military, still in the military. And I said, um, let me ask you a question. How often do you yell at your commanding officer? Well, I mean, I never yell at my commanding officer. Never do that. I said, why don't you yell at your commanding officer? You ever get upset with something he tells you? You ever get mad at something he does? 
Does he ever annoy you? Does he ever tell you something you don't want to do? Well, you know, he, yeah, he tells me, yes. He was, a little, he was a little unclear on that. I said, what would happen if you spent a lot of time yelling at your commanding officer? Well, I wouldn't be where I am very long because he is an officer as well. I wouldn't be very long where I am, and I'd be in big trouble. And what I wanted to do at this point was to get him to see with clarity. You ever try to do that to somebody? You say, I want you to see something with clarity. And I said, well, here's the thing about your commanding officer. If you were to yell at your commanding officer, and you were to get in a situation where you got in big trouble... That would be nothing. You'd recover from that. You'd probably get some other job. You'd probably get some other situation for yourself. You're a talented person. But how about losing your family and your wife? How about those consequences? You ever thought about the clarity with which you need to see this situation? You chose not to yell at your commanding officer. Buddy, I got to tell you something. You can choose not to yell at your wife. Tell me you can't choose that. What I wanted him to see is with clarity. What I wanted him to see is that he had responsibilities that were given by God, and that he could, with those responsibilities, if he were ever aware of those responsibilities, perhaps he could avoid undermining them and destroying them. And what, so what I find amazing here is the clarity with which Joseph is seeing this situation. He said, look at the, look at the responsibilities I have. How would it reflect upon God? It's clear that your husband sees that the Lord is with me and I've been fulfilling my responsibilities being enabled. I'm not, I obviously, you're outside of that scope, right? Because that's really what he says. He said, he's given everything into my hand but you. Then he says this. Now this is something... Again, if you've ever dealt with these kind of situations, you'll see why this is important. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, it's probably nothing on earth, um, this kind of behavior that she wanted him to engage in. There's probably nothing with more euphemisms on earth. Well, we began to have an emotional connection. Well, no, I would call it great wickedness and sin against God. Well, we began to have very deep and complex conversations. No, what you should be calling that is great wickedness and sin against God. Folks, clarity, reality. And he sees with clarity and he sees with reality. Folks, that's... That's character. We, we have to go on. Um, there's many that fall into this kind of temptation and others who use language to soften and minimize sin 
And Joseph did not. He did not. Do not, please. Well, I made a mistake. It might have been a mistake, but it might have also been wickedness and sin against God. And it came to pass, this is verse 10. And it came to pass that as she spake to Joseph day by day, he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. He was consistent. You know what I just wrote here? And I think it's the case. He had made his mind up. Too many of us don't don't have our mind made up about a lot of things, but he had made up his mind. He would not hearken to her. Perhaps it's because he saw it with such clarity. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. That's what he was there for, to do his business, by the way. And there was none of the men of the house there within. Folks, this is often where the challenge comes. You want to know where character is seen? In the house with no one there. This is why today we're talking about the private challenges. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. This is probably the way this is worded. I just can't get over the King James wording of this, but I love it. It says, and he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he got him out. And I always just think that's about as perfect. <laughs> he got him. What did he do? He got him out. He used the power of his feet, not the power of his human will, because that wasn't going to be enough. He had to get him out. It's as though the house was on fire and the roof was about to cave in. He might have survived that, by the way. He might have survived the roof caving in on his head and the fire. We have no way of knowing whether he would have survived this temptation. You know what you'd be better off to do? Stay in the building with the fire falling on your head. But he didn't. He got him out. And I just want to say this as we're starting to close. Because I don't have time for much more. I was going to tell you a story, but I don't have time for much more. Do you know that Joseph's situation here doesn't begin in great circumstances. <laughs> Did you know that the reason he was here is because he had a bit of a dysfunctional family? Did you say that? His brothers wanted to kill him. One of his brothers, if they, if they, if they wouldn't have stopped this situation, they would have killed him. But they cast him into a pit to hold him there. They bloodied the, the clothes that he was wearing so they could have a story to give to dad. And they sold him into slavery. Character doesn't always begin in perfect circumstances. You know what? Sometimes it starts in the absolute worst of circumstances. 
I don't know if this was the absolute worst, but it was bad enough. And he was able to be empowered to prosper in his responsibilities and to have integrity. And as he prospered in his responsibilities, he never takes for granted the blessing he's been given because he's able to step back and see the reality of the situation. And when the challenge and the temptation are pressing in that private way, he is able to get him out. I hope you saw the character in Joseph in this, in this scenario. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for our lesson this morning. Uh, seems like it was a, an intense one. Wasn't sure I was. I knew that would be the case, uh, but there's um, there's a need for character in our lives because there'll be big challenges, but there'll be uh, private challenges. Many, many, many more of those private challenges that are going to sneak up on us sometimes, and sometimes that we're going to put ourselves in. and And we need your strength. We need you to be with us at those times. So help us to think about our lives and how our lives are to be hid in you and help us to see situations with clarity and have the integrity to fulfill our responsibilities um, in an honoring way to you. In Jesus' name, amen.